First of all, thank you for coming on the on the show. You sure know, this is. this is a big blessing, man, and uh, we appreciate you being on the Thanks show. Thanks for having man. me on, man. I keep on waiting. Usually, our first question would be, "Who was the first person to bust your ass?" Two questions. Okay. Two part question. The first person to bust your ass playing basketball, and we know the first business deal that you thought was going to be golden that bust your ass. Um, <laughs> you know, playing playing ball when I was a kid. Um, I was good because I was taller than most kids up until about sixth grade. Yeah. So I was the man, quarterback, <laughs> everything. And then all of a sudden, everybody shot up by me, and it yeah. was just like, poof. And then I ended up getting cut from the basketball team in high school. Business-wise, ain't nobody busting my ass. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've had deals that didn't work out as good as I wanted them to. You know, some of them, like when you're just getting started, we all do stupid shit, right? I was selling powdered milk. I was doing, you just... You know, I started a bar that got busted because I let all my friends in. So there was there was deals that didn't work out, but none of them that I thought, okay, we're on our way to be big, and then just got clobbered. Yo, 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 we live on location, Dallas, Texas. We came down south for some Southern hospitality, and we had to come pull up on one of the best owners in all sports. We got the Shark Tank man himself, Mr. Mark Cuban in the building. We appreciate it. Appreciate it. My pleasure. What was it that made you want to be an entrepreneur, made you want to get into business, made you want to sell different things? Just do what I time? do. Was right? it a person? Was it a place or something you Probably my dad. Like, my, my dad did upholstery on cars. Like, if you had a rip in the car seat of your car, you took it to my dad. Um, the old pimp mobiles from the 70s and stuff, <laughs> he made that shit, right? That, that's where he worked. And um, he always used to bring me in to his job and have me sweep the floors, not because he wanted me to make some extra money. They paid me like five bucks or whatever, um, because he wanted me to see the backbreaking work he yeah. had to do so that I came up with something else. And when I was young, he was always, you know, I don't know anything about business. I don't, didn't go to college. Neither of my parents went to college when I was young. Um, they were like, you're going to have to figure it all out. And so, you know, Start figuring it out, yeah. you know? So I started selling baseball cards. I right. sold garbage bags door to door. I was about to ask that yeah. about the garbage bags. So you did that at 12, 12 to yeah. get a pair of shoes. Yeah. Like, was that your first job ever? And what were the shoes that inspired Beta bullets. that? Be no, they were Converse. So it was between Betas. Beta bullets were big, like, long before your time. And Converse. So yeah. it, was, it was Converse, Chuck. Um, yeah, the, but those so were the like the first. That was probably, My like, first one of the real. first jobs, selling yeah. garbage bags. Door I mean, let's think about it, man. You walk up to a door and you go... Hi, I'm your neighbor, Mark. Yeah. Do you use garbage bags? And then I could sell them a box of 100 for six bucks, and then I'd get my little wagon, and I'd deliver them, you know, and every time they needed garbage bags, they'd just call me, so it was pretty easy. What made you, like, multiple business ideas, multiple things? Because a lot of people, like, I'm going to do business, and that one idea, I just got to I gotta yeah. make that work. What made you, like, no, I won't. This one, this one, this one. I want 10 different things. I never, I you know, it was never like, okay, D, I'm going to just figure it out. There's 10 of them, right? Yeah. It was just part of the process. Like, 
you know, I sold the garbage bags. Then I sold candy door to door. I was one of those kids, right? Hey, you know, you know, and then you hope you make some tips. And I yeah. would literally um, sell magazines door to door, sold candy door to door. Then I had my own crew of kids selling candy when I was like 16. <laughs> so then I was starting to make some money. Tell me about that. How did you get it to the point where you started to hire other kids? Like, what was that like getting kids your kids age yeah, to right? work for you? Well, like. it wasn't me that convinced them. So like, like once I learned how to sell, like the garbage bags, I was fucking fearless. Right. Because like no one who says no to a kid. Right. You know, you're walking That's up. That's a big advantage. Yeah. And so this guy would train me like on how to deal with sales rejections. Right. So it'd be like I'd be selling magazines. Darius, if you tell your wife that you're spending 75 cents a week for the education and enjoyment of your family, is she going to be upset or is she going to be proud of you? <laughs> and it was just like, bam, bam, bam. And once I could sell them, right? Yeah. And it's just like people coming out of work and there I am hustling candy bars, right? Yeah. And once people realized I could sell, they were like, okay, now you can drive. Why don't you take these kids around and, and show them? And then from there, that's what gave me confidence. Like, because once you can sell, it's like when you guys got started here, right? You guys are ball players. You want to do this. But then there's the business side of it. And the hardest part is selling, right? Yeah. Having the confidence to say, okay, you know, this is why we're good. And this is why you should be a sponsor. And this is why you should work with us. I had none of that fear. Yeah. None of that. And so once, you know, like that's my big game shot, right? Some, you know, big shot, Rob, when it came down to just being able to close the deal, I was fearless. And to this day, man, I'll walk in anywhere, anytime, any place, and I'll sell. And I'll close. So you like a unicorn. You, yeah. you, you didn't do it by the book. You no, didn't never. do it like how to, a lot of other guys have a much experience, college experience, or, or went through these special schools or being part of these special groups. You kind of... No, I did stuff like I was part of junior achievement and stuff. So I was always looking, okay, if I can do this, how can I do better? Yeah. Right? What can I do more? Um, how can I make some money? Mm -hmm. You know, so my hustle was selling, right? Whatever it was, I could sell it. Then it got bigger and bigger, and then I um, I went to Pitt for a year and then transferred to Indiana and went from there. How were you able to not go for your senior year to high school and just go I to I just Pitt? dropped out. I just dropped out because, like, I wanted to take a business class. Like, I was into it. By that time when I was 16, I was like, I was all me. Like, my dad, my parents were like, whatever, whatever. You do. Get, we don't yeah. understand. So I just went um, and applied to Pitt and took these two classes at night when I was a junior and I did, it was like a psychology class and another class, I forget. And I got like a B in them. So now all of a sudden I was at Pitt, right? And so instead of going back for my senior year, <laughs> and it was great. Like, you know, I lived in a fraternity house. Um, I lived to find let me live there. And like, I'm hanging out with college girls and I'm supposed to be a senior in high school. 18, yeah, it was, like, so it was the best. At the frat house. Yeah. <laughs> Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yes, sir. Like, mean Joe Green, when yes, I think sir. about Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Like, how was it? Like, I know you remember them Super Bowls back yeah, in the for day, sure, but, for sure. but how was it growing up in Pittsburgh? Like, when I was little, the Steelers were awful. It was yeah. SOS, same old Steelers, right? <laughs> and, and then, um, then Chuck Noll came along, and Terry Bradshaw came along, Terry and all of a sudden Bradshaw. it was like bam, 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 yeah. bam. Lynn Swan, yeah, and, and it Swan. was yeah, and it was great. Um, and that was by the time I got to Indiana. That's when they were rolling, mm -hmm. right? And it was like trying to get one for the thumb and 81 and this and that. But the best part about all that with the Steelers was at Indiana, I was friends with this guy named Dave Mabers, who was friends with a guy from Indiana State named Tunch Ilkin. And Tunch Ilkin was a big offensive lineman. And unfortunately, he died of um, ALS, which was heartbreaking a couple of years ago. 
And so he hooked me up with all these guys, right? And this was the steroid era. Like mm. um, when I say they were doing steroids, they were <laughs> fucked in the head, right? Yeah. And, and so I would go out with Jack Lambert and Mike Webster and Lynn Swan, and we just go to the, these clubs, right? And, and so I had this little Fiat X19. And I would y'all little piece of shit car. <laughs> and I would, but it looked good, right? It was, right. It was awful. But um, we go to this club, and it was snowing. I'll never forget, right? And they're like, "We're out of here. We're out of here." And I'm talking to some somebody, right? And I'm like, "Cool, it's all good. I'll see you next time." I walked out, and Pittsburgh's got a lot of hills. They had picked up my car, and carried it, because little Fiat X19 right, like this, right. and these guys are like this. Carried my car to the top of the hill so I couldn't get down. Yeah, up a hill too? <laughs> <laughs> carried it up a hill. I'm like, what the fuck am I gonna do? You know, so I had to get the tow truck, and they were dying. You had all of these different. You know, you owned a bar. You yeah. gave disco lessons, chain letters. Like, where while you in college? How does all these ideas come? And then you like, how do you like? Yeah, I needed to pay for them? school, right? Mm. I had to pay for my school. You know, and so. You know, my sophomore year, um, first semester of my sophomore year, I think it was, I had a chain letter. And so it was like 50 bucks. So you sent 50 bucks to the top of the list and then put your name down at the bottom of the list, right? And take that name you sent the money to off. And so I made sure I sold it to, you know, if there were eight names on the list, I made sure I paid, I sold it to eight people. And mm-hmm. then I helped them sell it to another eight more who sold it to another eight more. And I would literally go, there's a picture of me from my buddy, going to the mailboxes with a big old smile on my face because there would be like six envelopes with $50 bills in them. And that's how I paid for my sophomore, first semester, my sophomore year. And then after that, we started throwing um, parties, doing party promotions. We rented out, we weren't 21, we rented out the Bloomington National Guard Armory, one of these big old places, rented a bunch of school buses and just went dorm to dorm to dorm. It sounds like you were like, Van Wilder in college. Yeah. Like he was oh, yeah, I got out of the time. I got. <laughs> <laughs> he was like there for four you, years. Yeah, you got yeah. out. You didn't stay as long as I, he did. I but you, I could have stayed like, long. Did you have a golf cart riding around? No, no, no. I had a little shitty Fiat X19. <laughs> uh, but yeah, or, oh my god. Did you have an assistant telling people to write shit down? <laughs> no, man. No, it was it was just all a hustle, man. All a hustle. Because like my dad, if he could send me twenty bucks in a week, that was good, right? right. He felt good. And so I had to figure it out. Yeah. And I remember, I mean, whatever scam, whatever hustle, whatever I had to do was either that or not go to school. Yeah. You know? Do what you want to do. I got to do what I had to do, you know? Yeah. I wanted to, I never had the opportunity. Well, we never had the opportunity to thank you for them great meals you used to give oh, yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. Games. <laughs> like, I tell people to this day. Yep. Like it's I, I know it's, it's a new day and age now. Like a lot of teams, no, know, they, they, don't. they, 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 they don't. still don't. Not still every don't. team. Well, I want to thank no. you from the bottom of know. our hearts. People don't know your meals after the game. How how it was catered. Ooh. How you can you can eat one and then leave. That was, that was literally one of the best like, parts thank of you coming for that. to Dallas. But I, and, <laughs> and we got to give you like the whole. I'm pretty sure. They changed the game with that. Every yeah. other team started well, not, to do that. Well, not, not, not the food. Yeah, not the food. Like, still to this day, they still just got, like, um, popcorn and peanut butter sandwiches yeah. and yeah, shit like that. Yeah, peanut butter jelly. But, no, a lot, a lot of the other teams, not maybe not no, all, but a lot yeah. of the other teams Started to do better. Yeah, started to do better. Yes. Yeah. 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 So I used to change up all the locker rooms. A lot rooms. of the teams, yeah. 
Listen, I remember the, the, we got to win. We got to win. He was like, man, that food ain't going to be up in there. <laughs> we and he still gave us the food. We was like, oh, like, yeah, it's, it's on. Yeah, nah, that was, listen, I know we speak on behalf of a lot of players <laughs> coming yeah. through that. They feel that. I'm talking that about good be, food. Whether we whip somebody or lost, yeah. right? Because I'd be walking out from my little bunker suite I have there, and I walk and see all the guys heading to the bus, right? Yeah. And they'd all have two or three two of the things. Two of them piled up, <laughs> ready to go, boy. Like, Every time they show it on TV, you see, you the, see the guy, guy walk through the tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I know about that barbecue, them ribs and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it, that's, that's real. <laughs> Were you living in Dallas when you decided to? Buy the team. Buy the team? Yeah, so I came down to Dallas after college. One of my buddies from college was like, you gotta come down. Weather's cool, the women are hot, the economy's good. And I'm like, what'd you say about the women? You know, I was like, I'm here. My Fiat X19 had a hole in the floorboard, barely made it, like barely made it to Dallas and slept six guys in a three bedroom apartment. I didn't even have my own room, didn't have nothing. Wow. Right? Got a job working as a bartender at night. Started, um, got fired from that, you No, know, got a job working. Bartender at night, worked at a company called Your Business Software, got fired, started my own business, built that, then started another business, the streaming business, which were how I made the money. And then I was a season ticket holder in the 99-2000 season. Mm -hmm. And that was when we had Sean Bradley and Finley yeah, and right. Nash and Dirk, yeah. but everybody still thought we were trash, yeah. right? It was just like, I'm like, dude, we're undefeated, right? It's the start of the season. There's nobody here, nothing. And I was like, I can do a better job than this because the guy who owned it didn't care about basketball at all, yeah. right? And I was, you know, st still hooping, playing pickup and all that and, and still do and is into it. And um, so I was like, you know what? I just made all this money. I can put my money where my mouth is. Yeah. So I was like, I talked to one of the guys there that had sold me my tickets. He connected me with Mark Aguirre, who connected me with the OG. guy. OG. Yeah. Westside. Westside, West exactly, <laughs> Chicago. Yeah. Um, and so he connected me with Ross Pro Jr., the owner, and within – Six weeks, it was a done deal. Mm, wow. It was done. Like, I'm like, I don't care. Didn't art, did negotiate, did nothing. It was just like, and everybody thought I was an idiot. You're buying the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah. They suck. They haven't been, you know, it's like people used to talk about the Clippers back in the yeah. day, right? We, it was us and the Clippers right yeah. there and then. And I'm like, no, you just wait, you know, because we had Dirk, we had Nash, Finn, so, took off. So you you paid 285, yeah. 285 million, like, in. Was that was that still just fearless? Like you didn't you didn't blink at that? You didn't, didn't think blink. anything about no, it? No, because I just made a lot of fucking money. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at that point, I remember being on the bus with Dell Harris. It was like, how did you pay so much money? Because it was the number one price paid for any team at the time. Yeah. And and it was close to the top for like another ten years. And um, I'm like, Dell, I got this Yahoo stock that I've kind of covered to protect myself so it doesn't go down. But that shit just went up a hundred bucks today. That paid for it, right? Just to us the stock in one day paid for buying the team. So, so time out, time I'm good. out, time out. How the fuck do that feel? To just <laughs> like you like, yeah, I just got this Yahoo stock and then the Yahoo stock goes with crazy. crazy and it's like I just paid for everything just with that. Like, it was crazy. like what was that moment like figuring out like when you found out that the Yahoo stock did what it did? Yeah. Like where were you and what the hell was that like well, I would check no it every day, right? I would check it every day and um, you know, but I also was betting that it might go down, right? Yeah. So I had some in case it went up, but I protected myself with puts in case it went down. So I was good no matter what, right? Mm -hmm. If it just tanked, which it ended up doing, um, with all the internet stock markets, I'm good. If it keeps on going up, I'm good. Um, and so I was sitting on the bus, right? And this was like right when I bought the team. And, you know, coaches sit up front, players in back. So I would sit like in between, right? right. And so I walked up, was talking to Dell, and he was asking me these questions. and um, I was like, 
I'm good, Dell. <laughs> and back then, I was the only one paying. Me, New York, and Portland were the only ones paying luxury tax, right? Yeah. And so they were like, "Why are you wasting all this money?" I'm like, "I just want to win." Yeah. yeah. Dallas has a one in forever, so we'll do whatever it takes. When you bought the team, it was it was was the process of buying the team harder back then, or is it easier or more? A lot difficult? harder. A lot harder. Mm. So um, I remember I had to get interviewed by all in in a room by a bunch of the owners and they were tearing on me tearing on me like some guy who worked for the Knicks not James Dolan was like so you're going to be like that other owner in Dallas right Jerry Jones and I'm like well he just won two Super Bowls I hope so right <laughs> and you know well, that's not what we won so everybody was like because the guys back then they were like old school like moguls yeah. right not like bankers like now or private equity guys or investors they like own a construction company or right. they got it from their dad or their mom and and david stern really stood up for me and adam too in terms of okay we're going to get you through because we need some young blood people yeah. that understand technology but there are a lot of people that didn't want me in mm. and if, if david hadn't pushed pushed me over the top you wouldn't know who i was mm. whereas now um, there's a finance committee and they do a deep background check like they did on me. But once you get to that point where um, you've got the money and there's no red flags, you're pretty much good to go. What is it like for you being in the draft in the war room? And, and it's different, that? man. It's different because there's there's two elements, right? You've got all this. You've got a bunch of different scouts. I don't know how many, 12, 15 scouts. And they all come together to list the players in order right? By position. So here's the best ones. Here's the best twos. Here's the best threes. And then we have a total order. Here's the number one pick, two, three, four, five, whatever. But then you, it comes down to, okay, do we just go get the best player? Do we get somebody draft for need? Um, and does everybody agree? And that's right. the hardest that's part the, of the war. Everybody right? agree. Right. Because never happens that way. Never happens that way where everybody's on the same page. So there's been times when like I just stepped in. Right. And sometimes it worked. Sometimes it didn't. Like, you know, there are certain guys like Jay Crowder was my pick. Right. Eddie Nahara was my pick. Um, Eddie then there's Nahara, some, yeah, class. yeah. And so then there's some other dudes you never heard of that were my pick, too. J.J. No, J.J. was mine, too. He was. He Good was. Pick. Yeah. So he was. Um, <laughs> so we needed um, a point guard for summer league. And I remember I was reading like Sports Illustrator when they mentioned him up at Northeastern. And I'm like, let's just go get this guy, right? We'll just bring him in for summer league tryouts, whatever. Killed everybody, killed everybody. Then we sent him down to the G League. Then it was the D League, putting up a 40-piece, 45, 46 game after game. Hmm. And then come 2006, he was playing 2011. Won a championship. Yeah, won a, won a ring. One of the things we loved about Dallas, too, when we was rookies, when we first got to the league, you had personal TVs yeah, in the locker, the locker room, room with yeah, their own headphones yeah. and everything. We ain't never seen this before. All this is new to us. Some what gave you the passion, to like, cause like I feel like you started the wave of of really taking care of your players yeah. in a whole nother yeah, way. Playstations sure. and all type of stuff in their lives. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah. Um, because I had to prove to people that we were a place you wanted to go. Yeah, that nobody wanted to go to Dallas. Yeah. you know, like I would talk to Finn, and he was like. You know, when he got traded here, he thought it was the worst thing ever. Yeah. You know, it was just like everybody thought it was going to be trash. So I had to, like, 
go the opposite direction and really step it up to let people know, you know, we're changing the culture. We're changing everything about what happens with the Mavericks. Well, let me say this. We heard. The yeah, whole, right? Like, we were like, like you said, with the locker rooms, with just different stuff, then the team playing. And it was, was easy. Like, it was actually, and because nobody did it, right? Nobody and, did it. That right? was the point. The same thing with um, player development coaches, yeah. right? Back then, you had your three coaches and the head coach, right? Yeah. And they would work you out. You guys come into the gym, and one of your three coaches would work you out, and whatever they're doing, and that's just the way it always was at all levels, right? Mm-hmm. So I was like, yo, we, we spend more money on fixing computers than we do developing players. Yeah. So I went and started hiring former players, um, Moreland Wiley, just guys that had played for us. I'm like, if you played for us at all, I'm not going to pay you initially. We want to see how this works, but I got 15 players. I need 15 development coaches. Yeah. So I brought in all these people, right? And now that's what everybody does. Yeah. Then I started bringing interns, right? So those coaches can work on development and not rebounding and stuff like that. Now we got eight interns. All they do is rebound and right. run plays yeah. and all this shit. So, yeah, it's just whatever I can do to get an edge. That's always what it's been. But now the newer owners, like – they're hedge fund guys or guys with a lot of money. They're like, not the old school guys, right? Yeah. And so it's a lot smarter, so it's, it's not as easy as it was. To have guys like Dirk and, and Finley when you first bought the team to now you see these guys with gray hairs and, and stuff <laughs> now, but just to see how they grew as men yeah. and, like, the people they became. and For sure. Like, uh, how is it to see, like, just specifically them two? Like, well, I, like, obviously, like, what the biggest mistake I've ever made with the Mavs is letting Nash go, right? And I always said to him afterwards, and he was not happy with me, I was like, look, life's a long, long time. You know, that you, the time you spend in the game is just a fraction of what you're going to do the rest of your life. And um, and so we're, we're back to being friends. But, you know, it was fun because between not just Nash and Dirk, but Finn as well, I learned so much from them, so, so much. You know, how to carry yourself and um, – when fans are reacting to you and when fans get excited, you know, how to treat people. Um, they, they were always, you know, sign every autograph, take every picture. You know, it's a blessing. You, you don't know when it's going to end. And, you know, I learned a lot from that. And that's the way they are today. So I give them a lot of credit. To have no friendships with them. Like, yeah. uh, you know, you, you know they family. Oh, Yo, for sure, in, for sure. Yeah. You done been around them. And it's like... Just seeing y'all, I can't, I can't, when I think of you, I think of Finn, I think of Nash, mm-hmm. I think of Dirk. Like that crew right there is yep. like, Those are my like guys. the crew. And just to see them, one of the things I want to say too, man, just to see how you bring other players back. Guys that we didn't seen play for the Mavs, whether they play one year, two years, or ten years. To see them and bring them back and have them coach and have oh, them sure. be sure. development. You see these guys and. Because everybody wants, not everybody, but a lot of people want to get back in the game, right? Because you go through that, and you guys know it better than anybody. You play, all right? You think you can play another year. You don't get that next year, right? Or you get hurt, right? And then it's like, what now? Right. Right, what am I going to do now? And they mess around. They spend time with their families because they hadn't been able to spend time with their families. Then you want something to do, right? And basketball is your life. And so, you know, I won't say everybody, but pretty much anybody who is with the Mavs, if I can help you in one way or the other. I'm going to take that step. I benefited from you trading, Steve. I want to know, one, like, what was Dirk's reaction? He like, was not ha- happy. <laughs> I know this, but I want to know just from your yeah, perspective, like, how happy. did that go when you had to come to Dirk? Like, okay, like, we not we, doing it. Yeah, we didn't uh, match Steve. So it didn't go good. We were actually in Mexico for a guy, um, Al Whitley, who works for the Mavs. His wedding, the wildest wedding I've ever been in. <laughs> in my life. So there's, not, there's nothing even close. 
Um, shout out Al. Shout out Al for real. <laughs> and we were just plastered. And we're Dirk and I are just sitting there in the lobby because they had kicked us out of the room where the reception was because we were just tearing it apart. And um, it was crazy. And we were talking about it. And he was like, how could you let Nash go? How? And I went through it, you know. You know, our coach and the doctors were like, we don't know how much longer he's going to last. His mm -hmm. minutes were down and this and that. I made him a good offer. Sons made him a better offer. And, you know, it was obviously a mistake on my end, but I think it was great for Nashi, right? Because I think it motivated him and turned into a two-time MVP. Like it's a gift and a curve. I feel it was great for both of them because it mean, made Dirk even better. Yeah, up, You know what I'm saying? And now he's one of the greatest players like ever. He, yeah. he ended it right and got his chip. I, I want to ask, do you remember the atmosphere when we came there for the playoffs? Because I've told him this. The first year. Like, that was one of the, like, that was the Crazy. first time I felt like I'm teammates with a rock star. <laughs> Legit. Like, when the plane landed, bro, news cameras, fans. coming back, yeah. Everything. This was, I'm like, wait a minute, we the, we, the, we the visitors. This was the first time I started calling Steve. I started calling him Steve. I was like, okay, you like a rock star slash the president. Like, first of all, sure. there is not a person who don't love you. Yep. And it was like, it was crazy. And I, it was a crazy game, the end to the game, right? Because we had picked up Jason Terry to, to yes. take Nashi's place. Yeah. And yeah. Jason missed an assignment and Nashi hit a game winner, game tire. The three, and Dirk yeah. was yelling at him, walking off the car. Oh was like, God, this it was, was insane. It was brutal. <laughs> and then you guys got us that year. Then I think we got you guys yes. next year. How was it getting all the way to the promised land and, and, and getting all the festivities, getting to the finals and feeling like you have it in the grasp? And, and, it was and, awful. And you, you, oh, you oh, that was 06, right? Yeah, 06 was horrible, right? 06 yeah. was like... The worst because I thought we got cheated. I still to this day think we got cheated. <laughs> but for you as a like you are you a hooper, you are you a diehard fan and all that, but for like that ride for you getting there for the first time, how magical for was the that? Organization, oh, the ride yeah. itself was amazing. Mm -hmm. Right? Because part of it was nasty too. Look look what we're doing, right? We're right, getting there. that too, yeah. Yep. And it was unreal. Because we were with Avery Johnson and he was only his second year as a coach. Mm -hmm. And the general, you know, had got us playing defense and playing a lot differently than before. And I thought, and I'll never forget, we go up 2-0 in Dallas, right? And I could just tell by the look on Miami's faces, they, they think they're done, just done. And then we're in Miami, and it's the third quarter, and we're up 14 or so, and I'm standing up behind the bench thinking, we could sweep this motherfuckers, right? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Udonis Haslam steals a ball from somebody, right? And now it's 12. Then there's a play where Shaq just ran over Eric Dampier, ran over him. And I'm like, okay, offensive foul. We're back. We got the ball back. No haps. Yeah. Hits, hits it on Dampier. And fucking Shaq makes two free throws. And I'm thinking, oh, fuck. <laughs> and I'm like, it's going. Make him when it matters. <laughs> yeah, well, he did that time. And so it went downhill from there. That was brutal. I didn't leave the house for a month, two months after that. Oh. I would not show my face. It wasn't that I was embarrassed. It was just the pain of it. It hurt you know? so much. Yo, this season we're giving away 25 digital collectibles each episode. All you have to do is listen for the secret word and go over to the POAP app to claim one before they're all gone. For more info, check out the link in the show's description. The secret word for this episode is shark. All lower cases, go get one before they're gone. At the end of the season, 
Listeners who claim a collectible will get exclusive access to Knucklehead perks. Like, how was uh, the 2011 season when y'all won the championship? Like, some of the players that was on that team, like Tyson and and, and Tricks. Well, oh, I'll tell you a crazy story, right? So, 2010 was the LeBron James summer, right? Because he had just did the decision, yeah. right? And we knew we had no chance, but everybody was like, we had an expiring, we actually had a non-guaranteed contract with Eric Dampier, and everybody was hoping we could turn it and trade it to Cleveland to get LeBron, LeBron, and there was just no chance. But then there was a deal where Tyson Chandler was supposed to get traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder. They had just moved from Seattle, so they were the Thunder, and the deal got shut down. Because the doc, Tyson had just had foot surgery, and the doctor there who did the surgery on Tyson, and he can tell you more of the details, um, said, no, you know, we shouldn't take him. So I was like, I called up Michael Jordan because he had just had this deal because Tyson was on the Hornets for as part of a deal. I forget how he got there. But I called up Michael, and I'm like, look, Michael, I've got this expiring contract. You don't want to pay Tyson. You're going in a different direction, right? You do this trade for me. And then we also took Alex Aginsa. And so Michael's like, cool, you know, it doesn't fit in our plans, you know, gets us off some money. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll take it. Um, so it was a win-win. And had I not, had that deal not got busted up by um, OKC, we never would have gotten Tyson. If we hadn't gotten Tyson, yeah, it's a whole, I mean, that, that's the whole thing about the NBA. Like two years later, three years later, I remember sitting in Rob Palenka's office and we've got, Andre Iguodala on the phone. And he's like, would well, you want to sign Iggy? And I'm like, yeah, we, you know, I think it's going to work, but I got to wait to hear from, I think it was Dwight Howard, right? Because mm. that was our first choice. Yeah. He goes, all I need is 20 minutes. And I'm thinking to myself, there's no way Golden State is getting off enough money to sign Andre Iguodala for whatever the number was. Not 15 minutes later, they trade Andres Bedrins to the Utah Jazz yeah. and open up all this cap room and Andre Iguodala goes, goes to yeah. the Golden State Warriors yeah. instead of to us. Yeah, they don't see them behind the scenes. That, uh, always, and there's story after story after story like that. Getting but, back in, you know, you, you had Shaq and D-Wade back then, but now you got back to the finals, and it's the dr half of the dream team. Exactly, <laughs> like, exactly. Like it's, it's LeBron, it's Bosh, it's, it's yeah, Wade. Wade. The world is against y'all except for Dallas. Well, yeah, everybody <laughs> you know thinks Everybody thinks they just, been, oh, it, this is four, five, six. For your team to be in that finals and, and seeing how they played all together as a group, you know, from Sean Marion to Dirk, oh, man, man, like the, the, the You got the Deshaun Stevenson. Like, I swear to God, if, if if there was one guy I wanted to shoot against pregame just to make money, I want to shoot against Deshaun Stevenson, right? <laughs> and But in games, in games, he was shooting 40-some percent throughout the playoffs, right? Yeah. When it counted, yeah. D. Steve was money, yeah, right? That tattoo it. in his neck was talking, yeah. right? Um <laughs> But it was just like, I remember game two. We had lost the first game. Game two, we're down at halftime, I think it was. And I'm walking through the tunnel to go back, and Pat Riley's there. Mm -hmm. And he says to me, I think we got you, Mark. I think we got you. And I'm like, that's not a cool thing to say, right? <laughs> you know, early in the season. LeBron, D. Wayne, you going to say that. Right? And like... Bam, we come back that game, then come back next game, come back again, and 
win it in six. And so punking Miami in Miami and then going to live. That, that's, 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 that's what I want to hear about. We want to yeah. hear about the live. So I seen videos. I knew a few people yeah. that were there yeah. and things like that. I want to hear. It was some, all true. It was all true, man. How, how big was I saw the bottle? Receipt. The bottle, I still got it in my house. I saw one I, oh, you I, still got the bottle? Not that one. I bought another one just so I had it just like a replica. <laughs> so you remember that. Yo, yeah. No, the best part was $140,000. So I'm like. I remember the receipt. Yeah. So I'm like, Dirk, do we want to get this? He's like, fuck yeah, we want to get this. <laughs> and so yes. I, I go to the waitress. All right, we'll take one. And so 10 minutes, 15 minutes go by. Dirk's like, where's the champagne? Where's the champagne? I'm like, let me check. All of a sudden, the lady comes up, Mr. Cuban, your card was declined. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> what? My card is declined? That's a mistake. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, you know how like you'll get a new credit card and you're supposed to turn it on yeah. and everything? And so I guess they thought, you know, turn it on and then all of a sudden $140,000 bottle of champagne, something's up, right? And so I had to go back in the back office of Liv with one of the managers and I'm like, let me call American Express. And I'm drunk as shit, <laughs> right? And let me call American Express. And they're like, well, how do we know this is Mark Cuban? How do we know this is real? I'm like, did you watch the game tonight? <laughs> Let me just tell you, you know, just turn on the TV and see what's going on because we're in Miami, right? And so finally they approved it, got my bottle, and we were good. Oh, that is insane. It was fun. I do want to go back to this, though, with the finals. Oh, man. It was just fitting that it would be like you get back and it's Miami again. It was weird. And for you, like, I want to know what it was like the morning after. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, after the crazy night it lived, you party, I know it's hangovers and stuff, but I can remember the picture with the, with the trophy Trumpy on the coming flight, off the plane, yeah. All of that, oh, like, yeah. just like that. Old. And then the, the parade, like, for you, the super fan, the, you know, the guys, amazing. like, one of the owners who really loves, like, you know, celebrating it. Like, how was all of those things? You Like, do you remember, like, getting up that get morning for the parade? And I it's still like, get emotional. It's like, you about to do it. Like, I watched this done a million times. Like, how was that for you? I just look at you, somebody who that was some of was the hyped. best moments for you. I was hype. And, you know, like, we flew home the next morning. We got up early, flew home, and while we're circling the airport in Dallas, they got the big fire hoses and did the fire hose salute. So they oh, had all that. Wow. And then there were, you know, a thousand or whatever people waiting for us when we came off the plane to the tarmac. And then a couple of days later, we had to parade. And, you know, it wasn't so much for me on the parade, but I got to take my brothers. I got to take their family, my kids, my dad, you know, and let them be part of it. Because the you know, we talked about all kinds of businesses in the world, but, you know, Google or Apple has their best year ever and nobody throws a parade. Right. Right. But when your team is on fire, the whole city's on fire. Right. And when you win and then. And then you create like this was your you built. this. No, nah, it wasn't up. mine. It wasn't mine. It was it was. I dirty. mean, like, this, yeah. I mean, but I'm saying yeah. like you, you. From where you say, like, where you were sitting courtside with CT, like, from we where can we do started, better at this. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you had to take sure. pride in, like, we we achieved the oh, title. Yeah. Like, I, 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 I carried know. that trophy everywhere. And I still, <laughs> I have, I, I have, remember Trix having a party at his house and seeing it on social media. He got the trophy. <laughs> like, they end up, they like having a hard house party barbecue. I say, this man got the trophy. Hell the yeah. Trix was like, always, can I take it here? Can I take yeah. it? Yeah. And now, now I got one at the arena. We get two of them. You got one at the arena and I got one at my house. And it's just right in my office. And it's just right, every time when I go go to work and sit down in my office and there it is, man. And <laughs> you know, and now it's it's hard because it's been eleven years, yeah. right? So it's like 
you know, it's like that girl you dated 11 years ago that you were a sweet on and just like, okay, I got to get that She's next one. Around. I got yeah, to yeah. walk down the street. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you always been one of my favorite owners, if not my favorite owner. Just the way you carry yourself, how you always be, how you so approachable. You know, most owners are not approachable. Right. But how you so approachable and how you always be with your guys. You know, and we yeah. always love that and respect that about you. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, I, I, I think the biggest, the biggest compliment we could give is like, like you said, everybody that's come through there is nothing but glowing remarks about the treatment, yeah. the whole atmosphere, how they get taken try, care of. We try, we try, right? Not everybody, but yeah, yeah, we try. I mean, the ones that we speak to, oh, most yeah. of the ones. I mean, you know, we tight with with Marquise Daniels, Josh, Josh Howard. Key, those are my guys. Yeah, Keys, like, you know what I'm saying? So these, yeah. is like, you know, then Finn is like for real. I OG. We grew up at I Hoops know. under him. And John Howard came through. The utmost yeah, respect. Like these is yeah. our OGs, and these dudes set the bar. Like you know, Stackhouse, all these dudes was yeah. like solid dudes, and everybody speak extremely high of the Mavs organization and their time here. So you know that. Well, I appreciate that. We biggest. try. I mean, it gets harder and harder because you know your generation. It was still a little bit of the macho thing, right? You still had like a little bit of the Charles Oakley overlay, yeah, yeah. right? The badasses, you know, fight me or not. But now, you know, Gen Z is just a different animal because they all grew up with social media, yeah. right? They're all brands when they come in. Y'all just wanted to hoop, right? Yeah. Now they're brands and they got their brand. social media whole and their teams, pictures. They know what their good <laughs> side is and their bad side is, right? Truly, yeah. It's just a different, a different beast. beast. And, it, and it's hard to coach, hard to deal. You know, I, I wouldn't say harder. It's just different, yeah. right? They're just dudes are, are different. But I think it's good in a lot of respects because they come in understanding the business a little better. Because, you know, you got NIL, so if they went to college, yeah. they were making money in college. They were making money off um, their social media. So they're a lot more business literate, you know, whereas your gen, I mean, it was just like you get the wrong wrong person helping you. Yeah. This, you know, you don't know how many guys just got fucked, right? Yeah, I, I just said this is the like era, you know. Like, yeah. They just like this. They don't Jersey love it. Swap. Like how guys love. This is all we had. I love Right, this. well, this is the only way out. <laughs> you but yeah, you got, a, you got a back oh, up, I, right? I got so much stuff. I, I just like to do this. No, but you, you know, know what? <laughs> I, I don't know if I – some guys, yes, yeah. right? Um, but like Luca, man, he's all in. Yeah. Right. He doesn't want to deal with all like he's got the shoes and everything because he's into shoes. He likes yeah, it. Yeah. Got to. He's the man. Yeah, he's the man. Shit. But um, but you talk about loving to play. He comes to play. He's you know he's a linebacker. He's physical. He don't back down from nobody. He's smart. He's got a great basketball IQ. But he he, he just loves the game. If he could, he'd play. He'd hoop all day every day. How is it to have Jay Kidd back? It's great. How right. much confidence and, and re- stress he relieved from you to have your guy coach you? You know him. You won a championship with him. It's yep. like a, a different type coach. of re- right. players, players, players coach. coach and right. y'all relationship. It's no, great. Movie. We get along, Jake yeah. and I've gotten along forever. Yeah, great, right. Um, we would talk all the time when whether he was you know Milwaukee or Brooklyn or Lakers, and he would always say, yeah. "I'm ready." Yeah, I'm ready. Right when he wasn't working, I'm ready. And then just finally got to that point after Rick left, it was like, okay, yeah, we're ready. And yeah, what I did was, yeah, what I did was we had a group of five, including Dirk, and we're like, okay, who should we consider for coach? And they're all J Kid, yeah, J Kid, J Kid. Yeah, I'm like, all right, I guess I don't have to do nothing, right? So we hired yeah. J Kid, and it's only been you know a year and two or three months. He just did what he did, right? Yeah. He, it made players understand their roles because you know, particularly as a new coach, getting guys to buy in what they're yeah. supposed to do. Because everybody's trying to get whatever it is, right? Trying to get their minutes, their money, whatever. 
Jay Kidd just sat down and talked to him and put together a great coaching staff, Sweeney and Saney and all those guys, and now Jared. And so there's great communication, and, and that's key, right? Because that's how you get guys to play hard for you. And then obviously Luca helps too. Oh, special. <laughs> special. Tell me how excited you were when you saw that you were going to have the chance to draft that kid and you still had Dirk, like, right, right at the end the to, to take him, him under yeah. his wing. And it yeah. was like the like whole symmetry. Match. Well, you <laughs> know how it is, right? And Luke, obviously, you can't be a Euro guy and not look up to Dirk on some level. You know what I'm saying? So, like, all of that with him having that huge respect for a legend going out and being able to listen and learn from him, it was just like the perfect storm. Oh, it was huge. Yeah. And then from that, like, when he really got here and you like, oh, oh shit. shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, How was that? Because you guys know, right, Some somebody could get drafted, right? And everybody thinks they should have been drafted higher, yeah. right? And somebody goes number one and or two or three or four or five, whatever, and you just don't know. Yeah. You don't know until you know. And then you know. Then when you know, it's like, oh my. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah, what was right? that? Because, like, I, I remember watching, I was doing, what was, I was doing the bounce at Turner, doing that yeah, digital, yeah, digital yeah. show. And, you know, we watching, I'm like, this is real. I'm like, I was fighting it. I'm like, I don't know. I got to see. I don't know. But I'm going to tell you, this is what, this is what I had. We sit in the house one day. I say, yo, I'm watching what's happening. And I know us. When I say us, I'm talking about brothers. We don't want to know. Not brother coming through boogieing on us. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like, these are consecutive games where, like, I'm seeing swag. I'm seeing staring. I'm seeing, like, confidence. Like, I don't don't even, like, I'm not worried about. And, like, when I see that and I see that somebody can't stop him from doing it, okay, now he. Especially when he's slow. You got to respect him. He's not, you know, he's athletic, but he's not super athletic. Yeah. But he just owns that floor. He knows how to use his body. He knows how to use his brain. He don't back down from anyone, right? You can talk shit to him. He don't care who it is, right? He wins. You know, he, he come on, let's go. <laughs> um, but I remember, like, the first game, preseason game we had him, we were in China playing Philly. And I was sitting with Sean Marion. And Shout tricks, out tricks, tricks, tricks. And um, he made some passes. And I just looked at tricks, and tricks goes, because <laughs> I'm scared shitless, right? Yeah. I am just scared out of my mind because, you know, I had them. So we had a disagreement between the scouts and our analytics group. The analytics group had them won by a mile, right? Yeah. The scouts were like, I don't know, maybe it's eight and da 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 da. And I'm like, no, we got, we're going for it, right? So pulled the trigger on the trade and boom. Did, did him and Dirk know each other before? No, not before, but once they got together. Two pieces in the Do box. you love how? Because I be seeing them now, and they they show them now, and when they interaction, man. They're that do close. you love how they they their friendship and how they? Oh yeah, they, they yeah. Got that, that's a beautiful thing to watch. You see him, he play with him. It's, it's like it's like a kid it's, meeting yeah, Michael like, Jordan. Right, right, like, right, right. He, he liked me. Guy, like we man. cool. Love the best yeah, they are brothers. They really, really are. Sometimes a little bit more like dad and son. Yeah, but um, they're close. And because you know, like we we're saying, Dirk is just a great guy. Yeah, and Luke is a great guy. So there's nothing not to like. Yeah. It's not like okay, you know, he's from my part of the world. I'll help him out. No, they they yuck it up. Yeah. They definitely yuck it up. They're they're good people together if, too. If you had to put a starting five of all time Mavs. All-time Mav. Who would be your starting five? Well, it starts with Luca and Dirk, obviously. And that's my one and my four or five. You want to put Luca at the two and let Jake Kidd run the one? Or mm-hmm. Naz run the one? <sighs> I think you got to – you know, you could probably – that's tough, right, because it's got to be between that. You know what, I'd probably even put um, Jay Kidd at the three and mm. Nash at the one, Luca at the two, <laughs> Dirk at the four, and um, – What's his name? Not Tolbert. Um, 
Roy. Um, Oh, Tarpley. Tarpley. Roy yeah, Tarpley. at the five. Yeah, Roy oh, Tarpley. In today's okay. game, that'll be squad. Oh, no shit, right? <laughs> yeah, like Jake Kidd's not the shooter, but, I mean, he'll defend, do everything else, and everybody else can yeah, score. Yeah, all-time three-point shooter. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he is, right? <laughs> Took a lot of them. Exactly. What what pickup game made you feel like you need to work on your, your J? Oh, the other time, right? right? With, with, with Lethal Shooter. Oh, Shout out yeah. to Lethal Shooter, man. I did man. see that. You what what pickup game you just needed? Like, I need, That's I, a lot of editing. I need, I need to get my, my J right, <laughs> get oh, it back right. Because I'll still play at Lifetime Fitness. I'll go up there play afternoon or um, they play Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. If I'm in town, I'll, I'll go play. Yeah. And, you know, Get older, you go back a little further, and so I had to I had to slow things down, right? Because I would try to rush all my shots. So Get your fundamentals like, right. Yeah, yeah. So it was all form shooting, right? So yeah. it was just like making sure I got under the ball, so I could get some marks, so I can get some distance, right? Yeah. So I would, because I'm always guys like I'm playing with guys that are a third of my age, right? right? Right. So I'm trying to you know get it off and get out, and I'm bailing and everything. So I'm like. <laughs> I gotta get some work in, so it was cool. It was fun. Shout out to you, lead the shoot. Yeah, yeah shout, shout out. out. You, you went to you went to MJ's fantasy camp yeah, right I did, before. Back like, tell, tell me, I remember that. How was that experience? <laughs> it was fun. And, and was you busting other billionaires' asses? There was no other. There was like it was kind of crazy, but that was right before I had my hips replaced, and so I was not moving great, but I still like. Once I realized there were guys, because it was 35 and older, and I was like 40, 41. And so there was a guys, there were a couple guys that were quicker than me than I didn't expect. So I was like, okay, I'll just post them up and do my thing. <laughs> and so, but it, the best part was you had NBA refs that first year, right? Yeah. And so I got to just fuck with them. <laughs> it was great. The, coaches, the coaches were, coaches were great. Legendary. Oh, yeah. John Roy Thompson, Williams. No, yeah. Williams, JT. Right. Yeah. Mike Montgomery. It was fun. It was fun. And I those, remember saying that we came to Vegas and we was like, man, this is We came through there. Don't it was, camp. It was yeah. fun. It was all I wish they so, still did it. I, what was some of the things that they had the real NBA reps there? So what was that like? They were just cracking up, right? They were cracking up. And so um, I was like, watch this. You know, they were just giving me shit the whole time. What I want to know is like, you legendary for being fined by the commissioners and all that. I don't know how much money, but. When, where, and how did the idea come up for y'all to do the April Fool's prank? Oh with my the God, referee? it was our marketing guy. <laughs> that was un like Bell Harris as an the assistant coach. Oh, he was, we he thought it was too. happening. We told him to. And rest in peace, Matt. Matt, um, another guy who friend who died from ALS is just sad. But um, he came up to me and he goes, "Q, all right, it's April Fool's Day. We're gonna do a joke where you fight a ref." I'm like. <laughs> As long as you get the real refs to go along with it, I'm cool. He goes, we always checked it out. Let's go. I'm like, cool. So they said first um, timeout in the second quarter, whatever it was. And I'm like, I go to all the coaches, right? I'm like, Dell, this is a joke, right? This is not real. <laughs> like, Nelly, this is a joke. It's not real. I told all the players, Evan Eschmeyer, you keep an eye, right? And so I just remember um, he comes up and pushes me. And I'm trying to stay in it, right? right? And I could just hear the whole place go nuts, nuts, right? And then I push him back and give him a headlock or whatever, and I could just see the whole place <laughs> going nuts. And and then that's when Dell's eyes were like this, and then you know the timeout was over. The but players it was, had to grab him. <laughs> every year, every year at, at um, April Fools, it's played all around the world, yeah, everywhere yeah. around the world. That was a, that was a, like best that April was a, Fools yeah, ever. That was, that was an awesome. They play that to this day. I love yep, that. That's it's hysterical. Who's the best basketball owner today? Jordan. I mean MJ. MJ. Yeah. I mean, maybe I can bust his. No, I'm not going to bust MJ. He, so you the second best? I'm trying to think who else can play. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Um, at least just getting out there and shooting. Um, 
But yeah, I couldn't beat MJ. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't think any of the other ones even play anymore. Mm. You know, at least I get out there and still run. Well, um, well that means you hold the number two spot. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's really number one because number one don't don't yeah, he really. Don't count. He's, he's, yeah, he he's does. That's every, not fair. That's a not couple years older. Then I'll bust on him. Nah, because I'm saying like even when we was growing up, it would be like you know who your favorite player. I mean, outside of Mike, who your favorite right, player? Yeah. You see what I'm saying? It was like right, that's already a given. Yeah, he's so on you a just whole fly him planet. to the side. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like that's a given. But like behind him, like for real. Short tank. Yeah. Shark Tank is one of my shows. I have it I repeating that. on my TV. I like, they play the hell out of it, don't yeah, they? Yeah, <laughs> they, they play it like a bug. I, I repeat on my TV. I just love it and, Appreciate that. and enjoy the show. What made you, when you first heard about the show, what made you feel like this was a great idea? How it's been going for you? And and what's some of the investments that you just love that you, sure. you participated in so during the show? They first asked me the first season, and they made me audition, right? And I was hungover as fuck. They just called me last minute, and I had gone out with some of my friends. And so I had to go up to Hollywood from Manhattan Beach, and I was like, I thought I did good. But they were like, nah, it's not going to work this year. Then they got rid of one guy, and they started bringing in guest sharks in season two. And I'm like, this show ain't going to make it, right? It's a business show, but I'm going to go on there, and I'm just going to tear it up. I don't care, right? I'm just going to raise hell. And then that was season two, and all of a sudden, those numbers started going bam, 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 bam. And it was like, okay, this is pretty cool. And then all of a sudden, you start realizing that kids, adults, people are all walking up to us saying, this is how I learned about business, or this, yes. is, this is motivating me yeah. to start a company. I'm like, okay, that's a good reason to do this. And you know, so that's why I do the show, because now that we've been on, this is our 14th season, Friday nights on ABC. Um, you know, It is crazy, but now we have kids coming our not even kids that have been watching for 10, 12 years and they started a business because they've been watching Shark Tank. Mm -hmm. And so that that's why I do the show and, and that really feels the best. But out of, in terms of the businesses, probably 25% have been okay, yeah. <laughs> done really good. 25% yeah. have been trash and 50% are decent to good. And on a cash basis, I'm probably down a little bit, like meaning how much money I've taken off. Mm -hmm. But in terms of the companies where you reinvest the money and watch the valuations go up, I'm doing really good. Like we just had a company, Beatbox Beverages, that I bought a third of it for a million dollars. And I don't own quite that much anymore, but they just raised money at a $190 million valuation. And I own like 20% of it. And so, you know, just shit like that. There's been some really good ones. Dude wipes, you know, there's all kinds of great deals that have come out of there. To be up there with like fellow billionaires and, and like your, your co-hosts and stuff to, for y'all to, have them conversations, spend some of that time that y'all had to spend to make them 14 seasons. How is that for you to just be around them that, that It's much like family, and, right? Where yeah, you like yell you, at you them and Turn it to family, 14 yeah, seasons. Yeah, 14 seasons. <laughs> and we're competitive, right? Because yeah. I'm like, I don't want them to get a deal. If I want it, you better believe I'm going to get There's some L'Oreal will get um, because she um, knows how to sell crap on QVC and all that. And she's good. I give her credit. But other than L'Oreal every now and then, if I want it, I'll get it. But we're still really competitive. Mm -hmm. Really, really competitive. All right, well, I got a, a pitch for you. Uh-oh. Hey, what time is it? <laughs> <laughs> the Pitch Man. All right, D. Award-winning basketball podcast. This podcast has interviewed legends, Hall of Famers, all-time greats, in the best league known to man. Uh-huh. <laughs> they have millions uh -huh. of views worldwide, close to 10 million subscribers. Wow. Two of the most respected on and off the court coming from an era where we connect with the youth uh -huh. 
and we respect the ones that came before us. Who y'all talking about? (laughs) (laughs) And currently right now, to add to that resume, we are interviewing one of sports' best owners and our first billionaire on the show, (laughs) Mark Cuban. So what do you think? Oh, I'm all in, right? I'll give you $100 for 20%. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) No, congrats. So you know what? Congrats for you guys making it what it is. Because it's not easy, man. You know. Like, there's a billion podcasts. You know? And they come and they go. And nobody ever thinks that my podcast is going to suck, right? All that matters is when you get people to listen and people to respond. And then that leads to you getting good guests. Like, I'm I'm not going to not do the knuckleheads. Anybody connected to the (laughs) NBA knows you got to do the knuckleheads, right? And so that, that takes a lot, right? Because I've, I've, I've been on podcasts where big names, right? Yeah. And they're gone. Yeah. Because it's a lot of work. Yeah. It is a lot of fucking work to do what you guys do. Yeah. So you guys, I've been giving you the, the clap. <laughs> we, we, we definitely appreciate it. No, we appreciate that. I just created this app, and we just got passed by Google to uh-huh. be in all the platforms to be on every platform. Cool. And I just want you to speak about tech, how, uh-huh. how tech is changing the world, how, sure. how tech new people and more and more new people is getting more into tech and and how it's affecting the world and how it's changing in a good way. I mean, it's it's definitely changing it, right? Because now, you know, all the dinosaurs that don't get it are dying, right? Yes. And every kid grows up, you know, my 13-year-old son, you know, what he wanted for his birthday was Snapchat, yeah. right? You know? <laughs> yeah. It's like there's nobody that, particularly if you're young, that doesn't use technology. Yes. And on one hand, people say like TikTok is addictive, but the reality is, I think it's it's a positive. Like, it's weird. Like, I was talking to my son about Shark Tank. Actually, he came up to me and he asked me a question. He was like, "Dad, how come you don't do royalty deals on Shark Tank?" And I said, "Well, because when you pay a royalty, it uses up part of your gross margin dollars. Do you know what gross margin dollars is?" And he's like, "Yeah, that's the difference between what you sell it for and what you paid for the product. That's your gross margin." I'm like. He was like nine years old, 10 years old. Mm. I'm like, how did you learn that? He goes, TikTok. I see and it. then I started yeah. asking him other questions. How'd you learn that? TikTok, right? So I had to change my attitude. Like I was always, I grew up, got to read, got to read, got to mm-hmm. read, got to read. Get to the books. Yeah, get to the books, which is good still. But man, there's, kids are smart because they have access to everything. Step and then, by step booklets. Yeah. <laughs> and, and now with artificial intelligence, the good news is it finds you. Yeah. You know, so it's not like if it sees that you're paying attention to business um, videos on TikTok or YouTube, yeah, they'll send you more of them. Of them. Right. Now, mm-hmm. if you get into some dark shit, <laughs> then it's bad. Right. Mm-hmm. But most people aren't like that. Most people, it's yeah. a positive. So, you know, that with artificial intelligence, the game, game always changes. Yeah. Right. Versus, you know, when I first came into the NBA, there was no cell phones. There wasn't a lot of stuff. I mean, broadband, you didn't have fast internet. Yeah. It was a pain in the ass. Um, now, you got all that and then some, but it, it don't slow down. It just keeps on going. So what's your app? What kind of app? Uh, I have an event app. Uh, it's called Impressive Events. Uh-huh. Uh, we just dropped like two weeks ago. Congrats. Uh, we just got uh, okay by Google. So now it's on all platforms from Apple to, you know. All oh, there you go. Around. Very yeah, cool. So. Impressive just events. In, we got a couple of meetings next week. Big Good time luck, meetings. Good luck, man. Good luck, man. I don't want to say too many names. Right, I know. Yeah, don't want to jinx yourself. But yeah, but it's yeah. like, when you know, what I found is if two things, right, two missions in any company, can you reduce the stress of the people involved and can you make their lives better or easier? If yeah. you make things easier and less stressful. That's why I'm so excited for this app. Yeah. I feel like we're going to help a lot of people out. Change the algorithm. 
that's going on. Nothing wrong with that. Straight from the shark's mouth, man. You just right? got to web gems. That, I'm going to hype one, one company, if you don't mind. Um, yeah. I just started a company called costplusdrugs.com. Mm-hmm. And so if you're by right now, we're generics until tomorrow. We'll have um, brand name drugs. But if you use any medications at all, um, go to costplusdrugs.com, put it in there. And if we um, if we sell it, it's going to be cheaper. It's going to mm-hmm. be a lot cheaper. So we're, you know, too many people have to choose between their rent, their food and, and their medications. We're, we're right. Take care of them. Yeah. And yeah. so that's the whole point. So we make it a lot cheaper and. You know, we just launched nine months ago, and we already have more than a million accounts. What made that something that that was important to you to make sure you have something? Because I saw how fucked up that industry is. Yes. Right. You know, nobody trusts the drug industry, and when there's an industry where people don't trust it, to me, that's an opportunity, right? And so, uh, um, I started working with a partner, Alex Oshmyansky, Doctor Alex Oshmyansky, and we just started finding ways to work outside the system so that we can go right to manufacturers and buy the drugs, and then at Cost Plus Drugs, you put in the name and you see not only what we sell it for, but you see what we pay it pay for it, mm-hmm. right? So you see what we pay for it, we mark it up 15%, we charge a three, actually an $8 shipping and handling fee, and that's it. And so shit's a lot cheaper. And, you know, because people don't trust where they buy their meds from. And so we're changing that game. And so it's really, it's revolutionary. So check out costplusdrugs.com. I promise you we'll save you. Get at them. That's a wrap, man. We we definitely appreciate it, man. We down Absolutely. here in Dallas, and, and, and we came live on location with the Shark Tank man himself, Mr. Mark Cuban, man. We appreciate you. Absolutely, guys. Absolutely. I want to thank y'all for your continued support of the Knuckleheads podcast. Be sure to give us two taps by writing a review and rating five stars wherever you get your podcast. And make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. You can also watch all the episodes on the Players' Tribune YouTube page. Follow us on social media at Knuckleheads Podcast. And join our Knuckleheads Facebook group for exclusive content. Thanks again to all of our guests and fans. This wouldn't be possible without y'all. ThePlayersTribune.com